On this edition of the Scott Radley Show podcast, we are talking about news from the provincial sports minister that isn't sounding like great news for the CFL this year. What is that news? Well, stick around and you'll find out. And we're going to talk about SCTV. Why SCTV? Well, because Martin Scorsese is apparently or was apparently going to be directing a documentary. It's a very weird connection. Nonetheless, there is some news about that as well. Stick around. Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. Standing in a field of crickets. And why are we in a field of crickets? What is the sound we're not hearing? Maybe CFL fans this fall. Lisa McLeod, the provincial sport minister, was talking and told the Canadian press that um, she finds it hard to believe fans will be allowed into stadiums for CFL games. Here's her quote. I don't have a crystal ball, but I think it might be a bit ambitious. She said, hmm, we bring in Steve Foxcroft. He is a, an official in sports in the NFL, a sideline official. He is a basketball ref. He's a sports commentator. Joins us now. Steve, how are you today? I'm great, Scott. How are you doing? Well, I'm fine, although I'm listening to this and thinking, you know, I keep thinking we're just about to break out of this weird world we're in, and then every day we get something pushed back or something else happens, and now... The, the minister who ultimately, I guess, is going to have the say on whether or not there can be fans at CFL games says, that sounds too ambitious. I don't really think you're going to see that this year. That's a bit and of a that, kick yeah, somewhere. scary, isn't it? Like, almost as scared as I felt. When you, when you played the crickets just now, I'm thinking, is that the audience when they know that I'm coming on? Or what? <laughs> <laughs> like, come on. No, no, no. The, 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 the roar. We played the roar. It was just silent. <laughs> Oh, um, okay, but no, this is, this is this is tough though because you know the CFL couldn't play last year not just because of the pandemic, but because this is a league that requires fans. It's going to be really hard and very expensive to play if there are no people in the building, and that's what it's starting to sound like at least to start the year. Well, a few things that we have to consider too. First of all, we got to get the American players across the border and quarantined so that they're eligible to be out in the community and thus playing and employed and so on. So that's the first thing. So let's, let's get that out of the way. And then we have the three teams in Ontario that, yeah, do we have fans? Do we have paid customers? And then the rest of the country too, we have to consider what their regulations will be because let's face it, we can't have one province allowing fans and one not because it's just not economical for the CFL to function that way. So one of the things that I've looked at around the world is they've started with pod seating. And I just don't like the Mr. Negative attitude of the minister. Like, come on, we're already Mr. Negative by saying we aren't allowed to do the what's been proven as safe. And that is uh, the golf, the tennis, like all the outdoor stuff that we're... How about this too? Like, you can't even take your boat out in a marina. So that just bugs me. But anyway, getting back to this, we're outdoor seating. Why don't we at least, why doesn't she say, like, let's look at pod seating to get some revenue generated, get some bums in the seats. We're not talking about shoulder-to-shoulder seating, where incidentally, like, some of the places have expanded to that. And the Blue Jays, when they play at Sailing Field in June, they were, their tickets were to go on sale today. And they delayed it a week because they're going to have shoulder-to-shoulder sections for vaccinated people, 
and pod seating for non-vaccinated people. So why can't the minister look at that and, and just be a little more positive to it and say, you know what, we're going to look at the CFL. Hopefully we'll get the players in. We'll get started. We'll start with vaccinated sections, perhaps, even still in a pod, and and go from there. And give us something to look forward to, at least, right? Because yeah. he already said we're not looking at it till August or September. August 5th is the start. Yeah, and, and for the record, now she did say that she's optimistic that because of vaccines that players will be able to play, that they'll be able to get the players onto the field. Mm-hmm. But in the CFL, that's a, you know, again, that's a complicated one. So, you know, it's yeah great news that the players may be able to be healthy enough and protected enough to play, but I don't know the league can start or last more than a few games into the season without any fans in the stands. That becomes a, you know, so yeah, so we've got all these players who are now ready to go but we have nobody who can watch. And so the bills just are piling up and it, you know, do we really want to play then? Right. Because the CFL, even with good capacity, right. With no restrictions, it's still a big part of their revenue base and obviously their business model. They have to have it. So even with pod seating and reduced capacity, would they be able to financially make it happen? That's something I don't know that for sure. And some, some instances, the owner may have pockets deep enough to do that, but another instance is not. And in a nine-team league, you just can't have that. And then another thing, too, is what about the officiating side? You know, you introduced me, an official, the officiating side of it, too. Like, those guys are going to have to bounce around and do things as well. And, you know, there's more more things to look at, minor officials, sideline officials, things in the press box and all that. So there is a lot of avenues that they have to they have to check a lot of boxes, but the number one box, like you're saying, it's financial. Well, and even, you know, somebody, I heard someone, I don't even know where I heard it the other day, say, well, you could still, for the start of the year, if they're still not ready, you could do something like a bubble, like move all the players from all the teams to Sask- to Regina. And mm. because that's where, you know, football is biggest in this country, move everybody to Regina and say, we're going to play the first two weeks or three weeks all in Regina doesn't mean we're in that city for long, but we can get things going. And because the fans there are so great, they'll come out and watch. And I'm thinking, yeah, they're great when it's the Rough Riders playing, but I don't know that fans in Regina are going to ante up for tickets to go watch Ottawa versus Montreal. You'd look at it like as if it was a world junior tournament or something like that where you host the world and uh, any tournament like that, but let's use the World Juniors. Yeah, guess what? You can get tickets to those other games, right? When the home team's playing, those are the ones that sell out. But now the other team's playing not in that geography, nobody goes. Yeah, how many people actually show up for the Switzerland versus Austria games in the World Juniors? Go, yeah. I, I dare you to go. You could show up. When you call to say what time does the game start, they say what time can you be here? That's how <laughs> exactly. those games go. And who can you bring? You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. You were saying that wouldn't it be nice if they could give us some good news? Well, let me ask you about that because this will say something about our personalities, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. My side on this one is almost better to set the bar really low and exceed it. Better to say, eh, I'm not sure it's going to happen. And then in a few weeks you go, surprise football, (laughs) as opposed to saying, hey, we really think that football is coming. And then in a few weeks have to come out and go, yes, sorry, no. That's a good point because that's what the government, that's how the government usually reacts, right? Like let's jack up the gas prices and then lower them a little bit. 
So, oh, it's a buck and a quarter for gas. Everyone freaks out. Then, oh, it settles at a buck five or something. Everyone, oh, well, that's not bad. Meanwhile, it was 90 cents. So that's basically how they operate. But, you know, the one thing, too, I think the CFL has going for it, and this is like CFL fans are entrenched, eh? and they've been going for years and longtime season ticket holders. So let me give you two examples. I go to a Ticat game. I know all the people that I'm sitting around. And I trust them. Like, I could go, and in our little pod of people that we, you know, when we score, we high-five each other and all that kind of stuff, we know each other personally. And it may not have started that way, but after 20, 30 years, or in the new stadium, you know, five, seven years now, um, you know each other. And I feel comfortable, and I trust them, because I know that in their daily lives right now, they're being pandemic friendly. They're following protocols and all that. So going to a Ticat game, I would feel safer sitting in close range to people. But for example, this week, I bought tickets to the Genesis concert coming up in on American Thanksgiving at the Scotiabank Arena in Toronto. There, even though it's in November, I don't know if I would feel as safe going and not knowing the people that are going to be sitting beside me and around me. Do you follow me there? Like, yeah, no, I, I, I do, I, I do for sure. And you know, I, my fear all along through this thing, I've kind of poo pooed the idea of saying, you know, people have said, well, if they don't play again this year, the league is in real trouble. And I've kind of poo pooed that because I've said all along, you know, if they don't play this year. Some of the guys will move on and do other things, but a lot of them will still come back because what else are they going to do? A lot of them, they're football players. That's what they do. And you'll find other guys coming out of college who will play. Where I'm now beginning to waver a little bit on my position is this. Back in the 70s and into the 80s when the CFL blacked out its TV, you lost a generation of young kids. They just have not, a lot of them just have not, now they're adults, but they have never latched onto the game because they couldn't see it. That to me is now the concern. You've got the NFL that's back. The NFL just came out with its schedule. It's got an amazing schedule. So many unbelievable games. Hype coming out the yin-yang here. If the CFL is absent again, it's not that the players are not going to come back. It's that I worry about the interest level from people who may have found other things to do. Yeah, the people that grew up with it and like you, I lived through those blackout years, but I come from a different family where it was pounded into us and we were taken to the games as young kids and all that. But I have a half brother, Ronnie Foxcroft Jr. He's 28 years old. Can't, I beg him to come to the games with me. I need him there to high five and all that. But for him, it's all about the Raptors and the Bills and all that kind of stuff. And that's what he's grown up with. And that's big time for him. So there's a 28-year-old that the CFL doesn't have right now. And that's from our family where we, we live and breathe Ticat stuff. So what about the average 28-year-old who doesn't have it or doesn't have the parents' influence or brothers, sibling influenced and buddy influenced to say, let's go to the games and that. So that's what you're talking about, I think, is kind of that generation that you're going to lose them further. And again, that that hammers home at the business model too. Yeah. And Steve, let's remember this. You know, some people will say, come on, it's only two years. We right now have the attention span as a society of a garden net. 
I mean, YouTube videos where you have to wait 15 seconds for the to be able to click off skip ad instead of five seconds infuriate us. And two years is a lifetime for people to have found other things that they're interested in. And so that that is the part that's now concerning me is what happens if you do lose another season. And for that reason alone, I don't know how they do it. I don't know where the money comes from, but I almost think that if the players can get the go-ahead, if you're the CFL, somehow you've almost got to get the players back on the field somehow just to be present. I agree with you. And instead of a garden that, I use the crickets that you used at the beginning of our segments. That's my (laughs) attention span. And I'll use this example. How many of us now barely use our cable? Um, because we're on Netflix all the time, right? The pandemic has made Netflix a boom. Like and even Netflix, Steve, and we got to run, but even Netflix, some people now, and I've heard this, some people now don't even necessarily go to Netflix because that's at the very least a half hour commitment. I can watch a YouTube video in two minutes. I'm kind of bored. And so like, we are just, we're at a point now where you need to be in front of eyeballs or else bad things happen. And that's the, that's the reality. Uh, one other quote here, we got to run. Uh, also from Lisa McLeod about the Grey Cup in Hamilton. It is my hope that Hamilton will be home to the Grey Cup this coming fall. Obviously, public health conditions will continue to dictate whether that's possible or not. Um, that's the moment when you have the Empire Darth Vader music playing because mm-hmm. that sounds a little daunting potentially. Uh, Steve Foxcroft, listen, we, I wish we had more time, but we always love when you come on. Thanks for doing this tonight. No problem. Talk soon. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. This is a sad story. It's as sad as an entertainment story that doesn't involve someone dying or something else. Uh, this is a sad story to me because I grew up loving SCTV. When I was in, I don't even know what age I was, Bob and Doug McKenzie and Count Floyd and Johnny LaRue and all this stuff. I mean, all of us at, at that time, Bob and Doug McKenzie, that was huge. That was enormous. Well, we had heard that Martin Scorsese, I mean, it's a weird thing that Martin Scorsese was going to be doing a documentary about SCTV. I could never quite understand the connection. Nonetheless, very exciting. Martin Scorsese was going to be doing a documentary. Well, it sounds like that is now not happening. I want to bring in Bill Breu. He is a TV commentator. He is as good a TV commentator as there is out there. Um, he wrote about this. And Bill, I don't know if you fall into the same category as me that SCTV as a Canadian kid is part of our heritage and part of our growing up. And if you were as excited as I was to see what Martin Scorsese, I don't know how many people are going to be battered to death with baseball bats or something in this, but I was so looking forward to this. What happened? Well, Scott, first of all, yes, no one's a bigger fan of SCTV than I am. I absolutely grew up on them and cherish every single minute of their stuff. Still hilarious and funny. And I have some really good news for you. Oh. The documentary is still going ahead. It was just confirmed today. Yesterday, all this news broke. Today, it turned 180, and the good news is there still will be a documentary series about SCTV, and it will be directed by Martin Scorsese. He's just got like eight other projects on the go, and it's on the back burner. But the information yesterday was, well, everybody got kind of thrown off guard because of something that Joe Flaherty tweeted, and that's how everything went south. 
All right, so help me out with this one because, uh, look, the idea is fantastic. I, I cannot wait to see this, but I think I'm probably not unlike a lot of other people saying, great idea, but how in the world does Martin Scorsese fit into this? <laughs> From what I understand, you know, the, the cast of the, the great Eugene Levy and Joe Flaherty, Dave Thomas, Catherine O'Hara, they all live in Beverly Hills now. They're all long gone. They, you know, half of them grew up in Hamilton, but they're they're down. Absolutely. In, you know, uh, Dave Thomas, I think, St. Catharines, but they uh, live in Los Angeles and they socialize. They're together a lot, and they were at an event, and it was coming up on an anniversary, and some people were suggesting doing some sort of a documentary project, and I think it was Catherine O'Hara said, "Well, I did a couple of movies with Martin Scorsese." She was in, I think, a film After Hours and maybe another one, but she was the one who suggested him, and then they found out Scorsese's a huge fan of SCTV, and they just put a deal together, and he uh, said, yeah, I want to direct this, and that's how it started. I can't, and maybe I'm just missing something, maybe my imagination is not broad enough, but I can't imagine a Scorsese movie, though, and I'm not being silly. I mean, the baseball bat thing, obviously not. But I, I can't imagine it without some sort of conflict or tension or storyline. Is there a, a, a story behind the SCTV story that we don't know that would drive this? Or is it going to be, in your, in your opinion, your typical documentary, which just tells the story of how this happened? I think it, it really is the story of a remarkable convergence of talent in one place at one time. Like it's, when you think of it, you know, in terms of comedy and, and all of the people that sort of wrote the blueprint for, the, for comedy today, you know, Martin Short and uh, Bob and Doug McKenzie, you know, uh, John Candy, <laughs> like they were all, yeah. Catherine O'Hara, Andrea Martin. So I just think that, and you know, it, they started out even before that doing Godspell in Toronto on stage yeah. uh, with Gilda Radner and a few others with uh, Paul Schaefer being the musical director who went on to David Letterman. <laughs> it's yeah. crazy to think all these Canadians were literally living in the same house at one time pretty much um, in the early 70s in Toronto. So that is a remarkable story that just in one place at one time there was all these people, I think, and the fact that they were able to make this show that is hugely influential. Jimmy Kimmel, who hosted that special reunion show three years ago at the Elgin Theatre in Toronto, he says this is the greatest sketch television show of all time, and Conan O'Brien says the same thing. They just had a great influence on comedy today. And it's funny how history works, because I was reading Martin Short's book a few years ago, and I got to the part where you're talking about how they all lived in the same house, and he refers to this house that was on Avenue Road near Eglinton yeah. in Toronto. Yeah. And I decided, because I grew up in Toronto, I looked up the address and then it, it, my, my jaw dropped because one of my very best friends, as it turned out, lived directly across the street on Avenue Road and I was there all the time. And you think to yourself, how many times was I looking across the street and John Candy was walking in or Martin Short was walking in or Catherine O'Hara or whatever? And, you know, no idea. And even then, I think, even as SCTV was being made, I don't think people realize, like a lot of other things, we don't realize how it's going to survive and what it's going to mean to people years and years and years later and how much we cherish it. I mean, I don't know if that's a silly word, but we cherish oh, that yeah. show. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I think 
even if you look at the history of it, I think people probably assume that it began at CBC or had a long run. It was never on CBC. It was at Global the first couple of years, super low budget. All their shows were sought on really obvious green and red sets. And, you know, Harold <laughs> Ramis was part of the troupe back then. Uh, and then later on, you know, they... They were on um, at the toward the end the movie channel. You know they were on pay TV the last few seasons. So it was those in between years when they were on NBC for ninety minutes. Uh, you know I think on either late Friday night or Saturday night. Friday night because Saturday Night Live was on. Um, that um, that's when the genius of it all was happening, and they were shooting a lot of those episodes in Edmonton. You know it it just has such a checkered history how this came together and, and how it all got made. Where is it now, Bill? Because, I, I mean, maybe it's on a streaming service somewhere, but I haven't found it. I mean, every other show is available on streaming. Why not SCTV? Or have I just missed it? No, it's a great question. And in, you know, literally 24 hours ago, the, the word was that the documentary was off, that uh, Flaherty had tweeted something about he'd gotten some bad news and he was really deflated because he'd heard that, it wasn't going to happen, but apparently he misunderstood, or for whatever reason, that's not the case. I talked to Insight Productions, who shot the Elgin reunion, and they said, no, no, it's on, and others uh, confirmed it as well. Um, and uh, in starting that, I have forgotten your <laughs> question. Sorry, Scott, what did you ask? Oh, but what, no, why is it, it, it seems oh, yeah. like why it's is, not on a streaming service anywhere. Why can't you see it? So we're trying to think, what are the reasons why we don't see it anymore? Well, like a lot of things, like WKRP, for example, for years you never saw a rerun of that show because they didn't clear the music rights after the first six reruns. And they used the Rolling Stones and Michael Jackson and, you know, everything was on WKRP, which was a show about disc jockeys and music. Same thing with SCTV. I think that they didn't quite have all of the rights nailed down in per perpetuity. You know, they just had some rerun rights, and that's why you don't see a DVD. They did Years ago, they came out with big box sets, which were very expensive. Uh, but you don't see the reruns because... They did a lot of music parodies. They parodied Elton John. They did even Perry Como. You know, they did Lola Hetherington <laughs> would sing uh, other people's songs. So there was a lot of content there that perhaps wasn't quite nailed down in terms of the rights for the music. I mean, this was the, uh, I don't want to say the ultimate Canadian sketch show. I mean, ultimately it turns out that it probably was. There's probably not been another one. Maybe Kids in the Hall would be in that category, but how does this play in the States? Because it seems as though, you know, we were joking on this show the other day that chocolate has somehow been described as the opposite of vanilla. They're not really the opposite, but you, that's how they're positioned. SCTV and Saturday Night Live seem to be the, the opposite of each other, but everyone in the States knows about Saturday Night Live. How does SCTV play there? It's a good question. I mean, obviously Saturday Night Live has been on 45 years continuously every Saturday, you know, like it was, it's a, something that was very consistent. Um, S, you know, SCTV was only two seasons, really, on NBC, and other people in border states would know about it, but did not have the penetration. But, you know, because of Schitt's Creek and the, and the great success, all the awards that have been won by Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara lately, there's been sort of a resurgence of interest in SCTV. And um, just myself having interviewed a lot of, comedians and people on shows over the years 
I, I lost track of the many, many people who said what a spectacular influence um, SCTV was on them. Like Ben Stiller, for example, and uh, you know all kinds of people that they really looked up to that show. Could you ever see... I mean, uh, Eugene Levy now seems to have some time on his hands. Uh, Martin Short is doing his thing with Steve Martin, I think, still in the show. But, I mean, nobody seems to be too tied down at this point. If there is this sudden resurgence of, resurgence of interest in SCTV, could you ever see them ever getting back and doing it again? I mean, I find it hard to believe, but, you know, crazier things have happened, I guess. Yeah, you know, I, I, I don't think so. And I, I was lucky enough to be at the Elgin show uh, and saw the reunion, and they were all on stage with Jimmy Kimmel, and he asked that question. And, you know, they're, they're just older now, and I think a lot of them feel, Catherine O'Hara, I think, specifically said, look, sketch comedy is a young person's business. You're throwing yourself into wigs and running around. Like, it's just takes a lot of youth and energy, and, um, you know, they're much more into character being character actors uh, and into a different thing. And it's just... They, I think they all pretty much agreed that, no, they, they couldn't run around and do that like that today. And even they have under interest. Dave Thomas, for example, you know, he was so many, Bob, what a half of Bob and Doug and Bill Needle, the critic and everything else. Um, <laughs> he's a writer. He writes on, you know, he was writing for the show Bones and The Blacklist. He writes for TV dramas now and, and all kinds of other things. So uh, some of them are writing novels. And, uh, you know, so I, I just think that... Mm. No, that they they wouldn't be running doing, uh, you know, all the all the great stuff that they did back when they were thirty, you know, thirty five. You are very prescient because I was going to finish by asking you what they were all doing now. Some of them we know. We know what Eugene Levy is up to. As I say, we know what Martin Short is up to. We know what Catherine O'Hara is up to. Um, you just talked about Dave Thomas. What is Andrea Martin up to these days? Well, you picked the one that I really don't have an answer for. You know, she had quite a. Um, robust Broadway career uh, up until everything got shut down, of course, on Broadway. Uh, I guess it's going to reopen now in September, they say. So uh, she made a few sitcoms in the last 10 years, um, and and uh, they didn't really last. You know, they played for six months or so. Um, a lot of these guys are really retired. Joe Flaherty was teaching. You know, he was doing things like that, but I think he... Really? Well, yeah, what kind of teaching? He was teaching comedy. He was, you know, I think um, running classes on on writing and comedy. He was one of the head writers on the show for a while. Um, so they have, um, yeah, I, I honestly, I, I, I kind of think their careers obviously are winding down, uh, except for Levy and O'Hara. And, and, and you know, um, Martin Short is a bit younger. Um, I think he's, maybe 68. I don't know. I don't think he's quite yet 70. He's busy making a lot of money, you know, hopefully again, as things open up, he'll be doing more of the stage shows with Steve Martin, which are hilarious. Netflix has a special uh, record of it. And, um, you know, it's just really, really funny. So, um, yeah, I, I, those are the ones I know that are doing things. I wish I knew what Andrea Martin was doing right now, but she wrote a very funny book about herself. Yes that yep. uh, is terrific and 
Was it and now, and Rick Moranis, before we go, Rick Moranis, he, there were rumors that he was coming back out of retirement to do Honey, I Shrunk the Kids again, or Honey, I, something, was it not, was that not it? Is that happening? Do you know? I believe that's true. Yeah, no, he is doing mm. uh, a new version, new remake of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids all these years later. <laughs> uh, you know, he was in Ghostbusters. He was in major yeah. motion picture successes. And uh, then he, he two very young children, his wife died. And he raised them, and he just completely withdrew from show business. Mm-hmm. But he uh, he did a, a, a very funny commercial with Ryan Reynolds uh, a few months ago. Yes, um, yes. You know, so he's, he's venturing out there again. Rick Moranis lives. Well, I'll say this. Uh, very funny. If you go onto IMDb, Internet Movie Database, that some people use or don't use. But anyway, I, one of the funny things about SCTV, you look at the list of all the cast, and it's Joe Flaherty, Eugene Levy, Andrew Martin, on and on and on. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, you hit Sir John Gielgud. And it's like, <laughs> all right, well, you know what? That's interesting. They plopped him up that high on the thing. But uh, I don't remember his main roles on SCTV, but okay. You know, he was pretty good. You know, he was on an episode. He and Sir Ralph Richardson came, and they were on an episode that was very surreal one of the pay TV episodes, I think, <laughs> later, and the two of them are these, you know, amazing Shakespearean actors, and they were hanging around with Count Floyd, and, uh, you know, <laughs> so it was just ridiculous, but uh, no, they were certainly on the show. Bill Briou, it's, uh, now, the story that is on his website, I don't know if you've updated it since this, but I'm sure it will be, but Bill Briou, go to his website, Briou, B-R-I-O-U-X dot TV, uh, you can read about this. I'm sure there'll be updates. Um, great stuff. Every, everybody remembers SCTV, and probably everybody remembers it pretty fondly. Bill, really appreciate the time today. Thanks for doing this. Well, my pleasure, Scott. Yeah, there is an updated story on how it is back on. So there's good news up there now. You can read how it went off the rails, but no, it will happen, and fingers crossed, we'll, as soon as Scorsese stops working on five other things, he'll get to it. This is what happens when you don't hit refresh between an hour before the show and afterwards. But there you go, Bill. Brew TV, go give it a read. Bill, thanks for this as always. My pleasure, Scott. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML. The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.